0: Pursue your purpose, speak your truth, deal with adult bullies, cope with failure, live beyond fear, establish values, set boundaries, move past trauma. These are all the
1: themes in my Amazon bestseller, The Smart Girls Handbook. Tribes, get in close. For 15 years, I have been searching for a book that didn't exist, so I am thrilled to share that I decided to write it. The Smart Girls Handbook is available to buy now from wherever you get your books, and also in Canada, the United States of America, New Zealand. And Australia. Everything we do is a response to something you have asked for, and girl, have you been begging me for a book for years? Who is it for? You. The reviews are outstanding. The press has been phenomenal and I am overwhelmed by the amazing support it has had already. This isn't my book, but our book. I
0: realised after my talks around the world, women would be queuing for hours just to ask me one
1: question. I didn't want them to just walk away, but to have a tangible source to have forever. And this is it. This is refreshing, never-before-read content that will inspire, motivate, empower, inform and entertain you it's full of my personal development tips that have got me living as my most authentic and highest self literally glowing from within my most vulnerable moments and hilarious stories that will resonate with you the smart girl's handbook is a celebration of womanhood and the book missing from your library so grab your copy today tag me on instagram at smart tribe and i will send you an exclusive gift just to say thank you
0: Breakups under the best of circumstances are hard, but now social media adds new dimensions to our loss. Ghosting, love bombing, self-destructive patterns, codependency, compulsive behaviours, being cheated on, trust. These are the topics we dive into in this episode. One beautiful thing about this episode is it has been entirely structured around your questions. I asked you on social media what you would love to ask a licensed therapist and breakup expert, and didn't you deliver? Rachel and Valentina are licensed therapists who work with couples and individuals experiencing breakups, and they are the authors of Breakup and Breakout. And not only do they answer all of your questions, and we do cover every stage of a breakup, but they guide you through heartbreak and healing, They really help us understand how to turn your breakup into the best thing to happen to you.
1: Hi, Rachel and Valentina. Thank you so much for coming on to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast today. I would love to know, what would your advice be if you're just in a rut with someone and not wanting to
2: break up with them? Yeah, we get asked this all the time or see a lot of clients because they're struggling at this, but I think the first thing to ask, would be to ask yourself, what am I scared of? Am I scared of not being in a relationship anymore? Am I scared of being alone? Am I um, w- scared to hurt the other person? Like what's that really addressing the fear? What am I most scared of? I think like fear can be a huge driver in behavior and making decisions. And so first within ourselves, confronting that piece. Rachel, what would you add?
3: Yeah. Thanks for having us, Scarlett. And We hear this all the time. I ask people to zoom out of their life a little bit. And when you're 20, is it fair for the 50 and 60 year old you to be living a life that the 20 year old decided because you were in a rut and because you were afraid to explore a little bit? And what might it look like if you were exploring other options, including the option being being single for a little bit?
1: Mm-hmm. Is there any right way to break up
3: with someone? I think the right way is always respectfully. Is It's always very hard to break up with somebody, and especially somebody you care about. And there's so many hard feelings and unique feelings going into a breakup. If you can just approach it with kindness
2: and respect, I think you'll do the right thing. I also think... We have to be willing to have a tough conversation. I think the right way is confronting something head on and that can be really hard, especially in our social media era of texting and we can get away with like, you know, communicating non-directly. So I think the right way, quote unquote, is direct and and as honest as, as you can be.
1: What is the first thing you should maybe do if you have been broken up with? What's the
3: very first thing? Take a breath, (laughs) feel your feelings. You know, there is no right way to approach a breakup, but you know, we, Tina and I are kind of obsessed with breakups and exploring breakups. So we do think that there are better ways to approach it than others. But really, just if you've been broken up with, you're going to have feelings. Feel a feeling, take a breath, talk to somebody and you know, the, just, just have this belief that you're going to be okay, that this is really painful, but
2: hold the belief that it you're also going to be okay. And I think this can, for so many clients, we see a breakup is what brought them into therapy. So I also like, like the first thing after is like, who do I need help with this and who can I go to for this and maybe that's a friend or a family member or like a trusted person in your life but also like maybe asking yourself like do I need help with this or do I need a professional's help with this and again we see a lot of people coming to therapy because of a breakup and that being the driver of their decision to reach out to someone mm-hmm.
1: what are the stages of a breakup if there are any
2: we see a lot of I mean, breakups, and we talk about this a lot in our book, are are a loss in our lives, and we so we see a lot of similarities in um, the grief process. As you know, breakups, feeling really devastated, feeling really angry, whether that's angry at our ex partner, angry at ourselves for something that happened in the relationship. But um, this is part of why breakups are so hard, is there's so much grief and loss involved because this person's no longer in your life. Um, even if they exist in some way, the relationship has totally changed, or again, like will, is completely excised from your life, and that can be really devastating. And so, we see a lot of feelings that we see with with grief. Mm-hmm.
3: Definitely, there can also, you know, one thing that's unique to breakups, in comparison to other. Losses and feelings of grief is sometimes people will report a a stage of feeling relieved that a certain cycle or a certain dynamic is no longer a part of their life. So there are many different stages that people share and are common, but also you can have a unique stage that is um, different for you.
1: Why is heartbreak so similar to grief?
3: Is there a reason behind that? because it's a loss of something significant in your life, not only a person, but also some of the dreams that you created that included this person in your life. When we're in a relationship, we have dreams about our future that we make, um, getting married, having a house, having kids, and our pic- the pictures we create include this person. And now not only is it the relationship in the present that's lost, but it's also all of these images that now have to be grieved over. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we become attached deeply like we do with, you know, our caregivers and our friends and the people in our lives we have close relationships with and being so attached to someone, our, our whole like physiology and biology, like we're wired to connect to go to that person Um, you know we have these feel-good hormones that come off and we're connected to these people and so losing them also is like hard yes mentally and emotionally but also like physiologically and like the biology associated to what happens when there's a breach in attachment and so we can see a lot of these like devastating emotions really felt around heartbreak and losing someone in our life.
1: Is it guaranteed that you'll get over someone or in some circumstances, is it that maybe someone's broken up with you and you never quite
3: fully heal? I think it depends on what you consider a get over. Um, a lot of people will want to get over somebody really quickly. Tina and I talk a lot about the person I am today. I'm 37 years old. The person I am today is made up of everything that I've gone through, any every relationship I've had with any other human being, coworker, employee, classmate, and I carry those relationships in my heart and I'm made up of those experiences. And so I've had breakups from when I was, you know, 18 years old and do, uh, does a part of me still feel, um, some feeling for that relationship and breakup? very, very minuscule compared to what it was in that moment. But this idea of forgetting or getting over, I think is very like cut and dry and relationships are just not,
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not black and white. It's very colorful. And I think it can, I see people that uh, maybe this isn't conscious, but don't want to move on from their partner that gets stuck for years in um, talking about an ex relation, you know, a past relationship. And also not to mention that for some people, their own trauma or attachment styles can really play into their ability to like move on or get over and heal. But do we see people that cannot move forward? Yes. I also think sometimes it the, the idea of letting go is so painful that like being in that dynamic, even from afar and talking about it can be something that's really held on to, which is why we're so, passionate about helping people move past this. Cause it can be something that stays around for so long if unprocessed or unaddressed. And, um, we definitely see that.
3: Yeah. Not I often. think, yeah, I think everyone eventually gets over, um, the initial grief and debilitating, the debilitating or just emotionally overwhelming part of a breakup some people need more help and take more time than others. And that's, you know, we are also clinicians and therapists. So that's where therapy can be really helpful in working through that stuckness. Let's explore
1: then the modern dimensions of breakups. Does our brain react differently to being ghosted than being broken up with?
2: Yeah. We love talking about this because breaking up is different now or in social media. So we always like to talk about like with social media and being able to see what our partner's doing or what their ex-partner's doing or what their friends are doing. We, there's so much more room to create untrue stories. Like my ex-partner's completely fine. They're happy. They're dating someone else. You know, there's also so many modes of social media. There's Instagram, even Venmo now, you know, you can see well, who's my partner paying, who are they hanging out with? And this creates so much room in our brain to create these narratives that are often untrue around this other person's experience of the relationship or us, or this new experience they're having now. And same with ghosting, like when we don't hear from someone um, and because that's so common now, there's that same room for, we see so much more assumption. And so we're seeing a lot more anxiety, um, like nervousness, um, and worry like post breakup or even in the dating world. And I think me, Rachel, you would agree, but it does have a big impact. We're big fans of social media breaks after a breakup. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Our brains do not do well with unknown, you know, or just um, question marks and we like to know what's going on. We especially when it comes to um, anything related to a breakup of ours, we want to know, how is this person doing? Am I still a significant person in their life? Do I still mean something to them? Am I more sad than they are? And so when we're left with questions, even if we have a breakup talk and we're not ghosted, We want to fill in those blanks. We want to um, turn those question marks into periods. So we turn into detectives, you know, from shared Netflix accounts to Venmo history to all, you know, we, we. It's very easy to fall down the rabbit hole because these tools exist and they're uh, an arm's reach away. So there's a there's a very interesting element to modern breakups ghosting adds this whole other dimension where it's way more common than it was before for somebody that you have a one-year relationship or even I've I've known people who were engaged who were just completely ghosted and it's important for people to understand that that behavior in particular has more to do with the person who ghosts than the person being ghosted on
2: it leaves so much room like we like we take what we know and And often when someone goes to us, it's like, well, what did I do wrong? What is it about me? And since we're experts on ourselves, we take all of that knowledge and we see a lot of internalizing, like, oh, I said this thing, or like analyzing our own behavior in a way that becomes unhelpful and unhealthy, but also unproductive because we ultimately can't know like why someone didn't want to date us or be with us or go on another date with us, but our um like search to find out can become so uh, unhelpful and hurtful for us
1: how do you deal with a love bomber after breaking up with you
3: so for me what's triggered by that question is this is very classic in the cycle of abuse so that's something that i would look out for and just it is never healthy to exist in a relationship where there are such large swings we are creatures of habit. We like predictability. I want to know when I go home today if my husband is going to like shower with me with affection or give me the cold shoulder or start arguing with me, right? Like whatever our relationship dynamic is, I want to be able to predict how it goes. Um I know that love bombing is this term that's become very popular now and you know, there, there is something about it that sounds romantic, but I'm very cautious of the dangerous
2: part of that uh, as, as a way of manipulation. And is this a pattern, you know, is the was there a breach in the relationship and they're trying to rip, is this a, a wish to repair? Or does it see, and also like trust tuning into how it feels for us. You know, we have gut feelings and can get a sense of like, what what it feels like does it even feel good are we getting all this love and attention and something still feels off like tuning into our own feeling about it is also important like looking at their hate behavior but also the impact it's having on us
1: do you think then that rom-coms have a negative effect on us because we watch so many films where two people break up and then someone will just drop in and they will give you one big romantic gesture and all of a sudden everything's fine.
2: I think so much and I was just talking with friends about this because we also see this bad behavior in rom-coms or like women putting up with bad behavior then right men doing this big gesture and we're like oh my gosh how wonderful and It's not, but I think we really have grown up with this from like all the Disney movies, like even from, you know, not even just modern uh, rom-coms but just like this narrative of these like big sweeping gestures and then a woman coming back. And I think like whether we realize it or not, our culture and like the things we watch and consume have an impact on us. And I definitely think that some of the storylines and narratives there can creep in um, and have an impact on like how we view these kinds of behaviors it's interesting.
3: Yeah. It's really important for us to distinguish movies and film and art from real life. Uh, and that we don't see what happens after this big romantic gesture happens and they live happily ever after, right? Like what is the dynamic afterwards? And we see so much of that pattern happen over and over again, that we believe that it's normal and common for someone to immediately change their behavior and their habits and the way that they treat somebody. And for a dynamic to change so quickly and so easily that we start to expect that. That maybe we put up with bad behavior more so than we should because we see this happen on screen so much that somebody can change so dynamically. And how can you overcome relationship codependency
1: post breakup because obviously when you're with someone no matter how long for they almost become an emotional and mental even sometimes physical crutch they're a helping hand there's someone to turn to you know that they're going to be at the end of the phone so how can whether you've broken up with someone or being broken up with how can you navigate codependency
3: mm-hmm. I think codependency is very Um, tricky. I think sometimes it takes a breakup for us to recognize that we are engaging in codependent behavior. And by codependency, I mean a very significant dynamic where a lot of my happiness and a lot of my emotional regulation is dependent on this one other individual, that I can't be happy if they are unhappy that I'm only happy when I please them or, we, or I um, am pleased by them. And sometimes it takes a breakup for us to understand that we have a codependent personality or a codependent dynamic. And that takes a lot of work to learn to love yourself, to be happy on your own and to surround yourself with healthy people who will show up for you, but are not going to drain or demand so much from you.
2: And also, like you're saying, they you know our partner can become our crutch emotionally, physically. They're always there. It can be easy if to then replace them with someone else, whether that's a friend, whether that's even like a substance um, or something else in our life that becomes a crutch. So this is such important. This is if, if you're rec- if you're coming out of a relationship or recognizing I'm codependent in relationships, this is such an important pattern to address because this can continue to persist. And this is also another important reason to go to therapy, that therapy can be so helpful for understanding how do I regularly on my own so that I'm not always using someone else or my partner or um, something else in my life to make me feel like, okay.
1: And
3: a really big question, how do you navigate being cheated on? Cheating is really common and complex. Again, we try to make meaning of it. Um, I think that when we are cheated on, it brings up a lot of feelings about who we are and what we did. And there are, two, there are two roads people can obviously decide to go on. Do I work on this with my partner or do I break it off? And either way, it's going to take some work on your end, which people don't love, right? Like they cheated on me, they were the bad guy. I should be able to not have to do any work. But it takes work to build trust again, to explore, this person betrayed my trust and they did something um, hurtful to me. And, you know, it's very easy to say that was the wrong behavior. When we work with couples or we work with people who have cheated or have been cheated on, we have this approach of the cheating most of the time is a symptom of the problem, not the problem as a whole. So if I'm somebody who was cheated on, can I think about what did I do to contribute to that dynamic? Not to say it is my fault that this happened, but is there, is there something I can learn from the situation that I can then take and use as my own personal growth for myself and for future relationships?
2: And I think that, often with cheating or if you if we're coming out of a breakup and trying to date again after being cheated on, it, it can be easy to internalize cheating. Like, they why, why was I cheated on? What about me wasn't good enough? And that internalization can lead to a lot of, you know, a rupture in self-esteem and confidence. And so healing around that piece can be important. Whether you stay in a relationship or not, that that piece can lead to so many other, you know, issues or finding other partners that aren't treating us well. Um, so recognizing uh, if you've been cheated on, what's been the impact of on the relationship with myself? Because we see a lot of rupture there. So like rupture obviously in the, between the two partners, but also it can damage or be confusing like how we start to view ourselves because of that. And so like checking in like, how much am I internalizing this or making this cheating mean something about me? Um, versus something about the dynamic or something about this my partner that they're really struggling with or that they were looking for um, and it might not have to do with me at all. Uh, So, you know, in a lot of therapy we do like helping coach people through that piece as well. It's really tricky though, it's really complex. And there's so we always want to normalize any and all feelings that come up around cheating because it it is such a betrayal. Um, And it can be a really traumatic thing for many people.
1: We have touched on this a little bit. How can you navigate a breakup in the social media world? I personally love the block button. When I have broken up with previous partners, I've always thought to myself, you know what? I now don't need to see what you're doing. And also I don't know how I will feel if I were to see you with someone else. So I block. What are your thoughts on that?
2: We, I fully agree. I think um also when we're so attached to someone like an ex, it, you know, it's exciting to see their name pop. Like we get a dopamine hit when their name pops up, when we see a picture of them. Um And this totally like keeps us attached to them in some way. And I know it can be so hard for some people to like press the block button and really shut them out. But even if like setting at 30, 60 days, can I have some time apart? So that I can check in, would I be okay if I saw them with someone else and not just be hijacked by pictures of them, comments from them, Um, I fully recommend a block period, if if not permanently, at least for a little bit to give yourself some time to check in with where you're at and, and, you know, to heal a little bit.
3: Yeah, we are huge advocates of social media breaks in general, especially after a breakup, because Mm -hmm. Even if consciously you know that social media is not real, that people are you know showing the best parts of our lo- their life, there is a there there are parts of your brain that don't know that that make comparisons that see this as everyone is having fun except me. I'm here just broken up with and depressed and everyone is out there having fun. So you know, that we can be as conscious as we want about how that's not real life but being exposed to it in that way is does something to our brain that is not going to make us happy or heal or healthy so take a break for a moment from that when you return to social media be aware of what you're consuming we love asking people to balance their feed with, um, accounts that are good for your mental health, that advocate for self-care, that advocate for um, helping your self-esteem and self-growth. And yeah, though, you know, looking and tr- again trying to be an investigator of what your ex is doing and how they're doing and w- what meaning you make about yourself through that is never, is never something that really helps somebody heal. As therapists, why do we do that?
2: Yeah, it's well. Again, we're we're always like looking for information about ourselves too. You know, are they happy without us? How are they doing? Like, we are the center of our own world, you know. And so, a lot of that has to do with also our own um, like validation and, and seeking more information about um, ourselves, like and looking through it, you know, in relationship to them. And so, and especially with social media, it's so easy now to access that that. Um, we see a lot of anxiety and obsessiveness coming with like continuing to check. There's almost like an addiction to that feeling of getting some sense of certainty. Like, oh, I know they're moving on. And then I see a picture of them smiling and I'm like, yep, they moved on. And we love confirming our own story too. And so I think a lot of that behavior can come with this, like just human nature piece of us that wants to, you know, we like, we want to believe that we're right. And that like what we're thinking is true even if it's painful. So it can be confusing, but I see a lot of that.
3: Yeah, we are human beings with egos who like to believe that, um, you know, we're better off without them or we won or that don't, you know, don't worry, they're still thinking about us 20 years later and so sad that, um, that we didn't work out for them. And we want to look for signs of whether or not that's true and create stories around it. Yeah, it's part of being human. I am a very
1: proactive person. When I have gone through a breakup, I am very much, okay, I'm now booking myself busy for the next four weekends. I make sure that I have blocked them. I do a little bit of shopping therapy, retail therapy. And I'm very, very proactive when it comes to a breakup. And I get myself to the gym for the endorphins. I take up a new passion or a new hobby. I would love to know, because having spoken to my girlfriends, I know so many of them are very divided. Do you heal better when facing your emotions and wallowing or almost being proactive and just closing the chapter instantly and getting on with your life?
2: I'd, I'd say it, it's somewhere in the middle that there's a really fine line. And there's, um, you know, there's studies done about men versus women and, um, who heals faster or better. And um, there's often, it's so important to acknowledge and be aware of what's coming up. So sometimes we can completely distract ourselves in an effort to move forward and not be paying attention to any emotions that are coming up. And that extreme is unhelpful, but also continuing to uh, talk about it in a way where you're ruminating and wallowing also becomes unproductive. And so this ability to Uh, address what's coming up to give some space to feel it, which might mean alone time, which might mean walks by yourself, which might mean talking to a trusted friend that there needs to be some balance of that. And the things you're like saying, Scarlett, like going to the gym and making plans and having some level of engagement. Um, So like not distracting fully, but not also like that rumination, which women can tend to do too. We can talk about it with every single friend we have, we can stalk our ex on social media. We can, Um, be in that so much that we're not actually addressing it in a way that's helpful. So we like somewhere in the middle, which can be a hard balance to strike is like what processing means and like, and what is helpful for moving forward.
3: Mm -hmm. I would encourage people to look at what they tend to do. You know, am I more likely to wallow or am I likely to distract too much? And try to do a little bit of the opposite. Try to dip your toe in the opposite. So if you are somebody who sits with those feelings and wallows and just, you know, gets it all out in a week, see if you can take a break from your emotions and go to the gym or go see a friend and don't talk about your ex or the breakup for an hour. Or if you're somebody who completely distracts, go journal about about the feelings in their relationship or just to let out steam that you might not even know is there to get about we are all about balance and that's what you want to create in that
1: and do men and women react to being broken up with differently I know you talked about this a little bit Valentina
2: yeah we see so men in general and this is, can be cultural too tend to like Move on quicker, like move forward right away, but often process less. So, longer term, we'll see men struggling to get over a breakup, or maybe there was a breakup they never actually addressed, and so it's still present, or there's still the same patterns they're engaging in in a certain way. And you know, studies show that sometimes women take some a little longer because they're doing a lot of processing, but they're addressing the breakup in a way that men don't always do, or they are going to friends or they're talking about it and men are maybe not talking about it at all, or they're not sharing with their friends or anyone in their life. So sometimes we can, it can appear that men are moving on quicker, but might not actually be addressing the relationship. Whereas women might take a longer time to address and deal with it, but are dealing with it and then able to move forward and find a new and healthy relationship and not engage in the same patterns in the same way. Um, And so we t- I, I also see, I will see a lot of that. I think also women are culturally, it's okay for us to talk about things, to go to our girlfriends, to cry. You know, men might not be crying to their other male friends. They might not be going to therapy. I mean, I think that's changing a lot now and, and we see a lot of men in therapy and we love that. But um, also this cultural component plays in too. So women like to process more.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think there's definitely a cliche but it's true and what i tend to see even from mm-hmm. my clients where my my female clients their friends will call them and talk all about it and check to see how they're doing especially around the breakup and my male clients their male friends will take them out to bars and like help them hook up with another girl <laughs> or it, and to some some women it might look like oh, they're already out having fun, um, maybe already dating people when it's just like it is a very stereotypical most of the time, but not all of the time difference in how we deal with difficult things and breakups and and relationships. Can you really be friends with someone you have broken up with, do you think? We're going to give the politically incorrect answer, right? We're therapists, so we're not supposed to have a right or wrong answer. (laughs) But our answer is always no. Um, For me, trying to be friends with an ex is like you peeled off a band-aid, but you're just going to let it hang there. (laughs) Take it off, right? At least for a while until you have healed. Because what we see over and over and over again, and really I have not seen a good exception to it, is you cannot fully heal until you have a break from this person in your life. Um, So allow yourself to do that. Uh, And part of it is when you break up with somebody, you have to get over that feeling, work through that feeling of um, I need this person in my life or else I cannot function or survive or go on. And to have them as a friend in your life proves that point, that you need them in your life in some capacity when the reality is there is no one person that you could not um, literally live without. And you have to let yourself live without this person in any capacity for a moment of time until you believe that. And we we hear stories of you know you're running run into an ex and then somehow that you can be friends, but at least initially it is just not a good idea.
2: Yeah. And we we I think sometimes the wish to stay friends is a want to prolong some of the grief of they're not going to be in my life anymore. And also I I ask people like, okay if this person like my friends and I we talk about dating and relationships and we um you know, are you going to be able to do that with your ex? Because, you know, a true friend, you can talk, are you gonna be able to talk about all these aspects of life? If it doesn't feel the same, is that going to be okay? If you, are you, is going to be okay not having sex with this person and not having a romantic relationship with them? Like, is it, I think people, this idea of friends, is this way to still keep someone in your life and really asking yourself like a true friendship like you have with other friends. Can I, and do I even want that with my ex? And so again, especially right away? Like we think, no, yes. Do so we see people down the line that reconnect and can hang out and our friends? Um, yeah, sometimes, and sometimes no, sometimes it becomes this weird, tough, uncomfortable, like we want to be in each other's life still. And so we're in this dynamic. So really, I think it requires really being honest with yourself, which can be hard to do. I
1: once read that if you are in love with someone, a part of you is always going to have some love with them or attached to them. So because of that, can you ever fully heal from someone? Because I could never imagine you are able to be friends. But then I do look back at a particular ex-boyfriend and I think, you know what? If I saw you, I would have no love for you. Which tells me... Maybe it actually wasn't
3: love. Should we unpack that a little? Yeah, I wonder if love is stored in different parts of our brain, that with some distance, we could un- unlove somebody or even hate them. Mm-hmm. And what would happen if we saw them again again? Would, would some parts of us fall back into some familiar habits? Would It's easy to not love somebody when they are not in your face, but if you saw them again, would certain feelings be triggered? Um, I do believe that once you love somebody, that it's never going to be a traditional friendship. I'm not saying you're going to you know, hook up at some point, but there's always going to be some unresolved emotions that I can imagine people have an urge to resolve in some way. Oh, can we do this differently where it could work out that kind of feeling?
2: I also think that you're, that certain relationships, it, it's, uh, we, we called it love and we thought it was love and it was friendship more, or mm. uh, I think those people are scarlet. Like I have exes where I'm like, I could totally see you and not have that feeling. And I have exes where it would still trigger a true trauma response to, to run into them and see them. And that every relationship's a little different and certain ones in our lives. They might have felt like love, or they were more this, like a friendship kind of love. And the, that might be a different experience than, um, these relationships that are deeply attached or, or kind of can oftentimes we see people engaging in relationships that were similar to like a relationship that they had that was traumatic with like a parent or a caregiver. And this idea that like the bite fits the wound, like sometimes these relationships that are really hard to get over is like, we have this hurt and someone that we match up with hurts us in a really similar way, or the dynamic feels really similar in those kinds of relationships. I think like, friendship is nearly impossible. And so, yeah, acknowledging that each relationship is a little bit different and different relationships in our lives, we have a different experience of. Mm-hmm.
1: What are some questions we can ask ourselves to heal our hearts?
2: I think, I think it's important, the relationship with ourselves. Like, do I have a relationship with myself? Do I want to love myself? That some of these you know, breakups, we can so often focus on the other person. And I think a lot of the healing and a lot of what Rachel and I talk about in our book and with clients is coming back to our relationship with ourselves. Like what kept me in this relationship? What have I learned from this relationship? Um, what don't I know about myself? Um, looking at us, like taking away this other person, like healing has to come from um, exploring some of the things that maybe we have been unwilling to look at or are just unaware of. And that's another reason, you know, therapy can be so helpful is like help us ask some of these questions that maybe we don't know how to ask or have never asked before.
3: Yeah. I love asking myself, what do I need and how can I show up for myself Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Um, in really learning how to, how to help myself. I think this this popular trend of self-care, what it's really geared towards is identifying my own needs and showing up for myself in a way that I might do for somebody else. And it's a little bit uncomfortable to sit alone, to, to date myself, to be alone with my thoughts and just be. And we, we talk so much about how other people can take care of us and how we search social media. And there's so much noise in social media. But if I can just turn back to myself and ask myself questions about what I need and then show up for myself, you know, do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to just watch some TV and stay in bed today? Do I need to move my body or do I need to go meet up with a friend? And then ask why I might need that and then do the most healing and nurturing aspect of that.
1: I was watching a YouTube video and it was with a therapist and she recommended if you're going through a breakup, maybe grab a journal and write down everything that you didn't like about them or that you found annoying about them, no matter how small or petty are there any similar activities you would recommend for somebody who has either been broken up with or who has broken up with someone?
3: Absolutely. You know, we wrote the book Break Up and Break Out for this reason, and it's really full of exercises to help you explore the parts that you like, that you would like to, you um, look for in future relationships with friends or yourself or with another significant other, but then also exploring parts of this that didn't really work that you ignored or didn't identify in the in the time that you're now seeing as deal breakers for you or things that I'm actually glad I don't have that in my life anymore.
2: Um,
3: Even something as small as I like to watch TV as I fall asleep and this person would never allow me to have a TV in the bedroom. You know, just I do agree that some of the small things when you identify as annoying or things you didn't really like, but you were like, fine, I'll deal with it. If you can look at that list and say, I'm free of this now
2: it is a bit satisfying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And identifying what you're excited for. Is there anything I'm excited for about another relationship, about being by myself? Are there things, Rachel and I talk about this a lot. Are there things that I couldn't do or like didn't get to do or just wouldn't do because I had someone else that now I can explore? Like, is there that trip I wanted to take? Can I see this friend i've been wanting to see again sometimes we're focused on what we have lost can we focus on what we would be gaining um and journaling of any type, any kind is so helpful for like presence and building insight and so we love i mean our our book is kind of a workbook in that sense because it can be so helpful for processing sake too so yeah looking at what we would gain from this breakup yeah i think it's so helpful
3: to identify even a funny part of um a, a funny aspect that you're free of that will continue to free you as you go on i had i dated somebody briefly when I was 20 who hated red nail polish and now every time i paint my nails red there's like this extra gratification to like i don't have to deal with this skin <laughs> who had a weird likes <laughs> or was
1: just so different than what I like. And I would love to know from your book, do you have a favorite exercise or one that you would consider most refreshing that you haven't heard of elsewhere or from anyone else?
3: One of my favorites and one that um, a lot of my clients have reported they love doing, what is writing a letter that you'll never send to your ex. It's so cathartic and it's so helpful to just write and purge these feelings without, and and knowing you're doing it for yourself and not for anybody else. Mm -hmm. I really Mm -hmm. love that
2: exercise. We also have an exercise where we talk about different dimensions of health and, and having you identify how can I connect to myself emotionally, physically. And again, so much of our moving forward part of the book is focusing on ourselves. And I think that can feel... Very empowering. It also helps build confidence. If I can meet my own need, I heal the relationship with myself. I feel more confident. I build self esteem. And so, watching clients go through that process is really, really important too. So, we have a few exercises surrounding that piece and like how to reconnect with ourselves.
1: How can you become a new and more evolved version of yourself on the other side of a breakup?
3: That's literally why we wrote the book, we came together one day and we were talking about how we work with a lot of people going through a breakup. And it's some of our favorite work because what people are unable to see in the moment, because you're so blinded by all the pain that comes along with it, is that it is a very unique opportunity to really grow and evolve as a person. Some of the work that we want to do as people, we can't quite do until we've experienced something hurtful that rips everything open so we can look at it. We look at how we relate to other people, how we show up in life, how we connect, how we trust. And if you allow yourself to do the work instead of ignoring it, and I think there's two ways to ignore, you can either ignore by being so drowned in the pain right, that you're just emotionally responding, or you can ignore by not looking at it at all and moving moving on with your life. There's this perfect balance of being in the moment where you explore your emotions, and you really take a close look at how you show up in life, that you can then do the work. And by doing the work, we examining it, questioning it, reflecting on your own behaviors, that then leads to an evolution, a growing up, if you will. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, we, I truly believe both for myself and other people, my clients, friends, that breakups are an opportunity, a unique one to really look and learn more about ourselves. And there's, I think nothing more empowering and special about being able to gain more information and a deeper understanding and compassion for ourselves. And I truly do believe that especially a heart-wrenching breakup Mm -hmm. um is an opportunity for that in a unique way not to say there's not so much pain involved and it's truly devastating but that it can be an opportunity to grow that we might not have otherwise and we we only know who we are because we're really like who we are in relationship with other people like I only know I'm messy because you're clean I only know I'm outgoing because this person's not and so we're always learning about ourselves and uh an end of a relationship, of any relationship, friends, if we end relationships with family members or other people in our lives is an opportunity to love ourselves, but also look at ourselves more. And so we like, I think we love doing that work in therapy because it's an invitation for people to do that. And it's special.
1: I love that. How do we trust again after heartbreak when we have done the navigating all of the emotions we have wallowed, we're now becoming our better higher selves and we're looking at dating again or getting into a new relationship how can we start trusting after that gut-wrenching heartbreak
2: well part of trust is a willingness to Um, not that people that are, are struggling to trust don't want to but it really uh trust is not 100 or zero we often I think hear about trust like I either trust you or I don't trust you and so the willingness to build back trust and be it, that requires a lot of vulnerability because we could trust again and also feel hurt we could trust again and also feel betrayed so really checking in am I ready to open myself up and be vulnerable if the two are so related and so some of the work, we do with clients is like, am I willing to take that small step to open up a little bit, which can be risky, but also so rewarding? And so I think that that's one, like, that the willingness to be vulnerable is like a question we ask our clients a lot and, you know, ourselves.
3: And knowing that trust is something you do on your end, but it exists in a relationship. The level that I trust Tina is a level that she and I have and the trust that I have with you know my next door neighbor is a different trust if she just moved in and I don't know if I can trust her to bring my mail in you know some of it is longevity and a trust that we have both earned together it's unique to each relationship I have in my life so one allowing people to earn my trust is a big deal and learning who I can and cannot trust and not letting um, old pain or the behaviors of others seep into my new relationship. And when going into a new relationship,
1: how do you get over or how do you deal or cope with the fear of being abandoned or rejected? And this actually, this question comes from a friend of mine she was engaged and was suddenly ghosted by her partner. And now navigating a new relationship, she has an innate fear that she is going to be abandoned again.
2: Yeah, it's so tough because that's devastating. And I think so part of it is um, acknowledging it makes sense that the fear is there, that that is really scary. And that we um, we can be willing to be vulnerable and open and people can still hurt us. Like there's this uncertainty piece with abandonment that, um, is so important to be aware of that we have to be willing to get comfortable with the not knowing that, um, you know, I could do all, I could look out for the red flags. I can be aware. I could also open myself and be vulnerable, but I just, there's that uh, uncertainty piece that we're often helping people navigate and the, the, the anxiety and, uh, fear that come up with that. And, um, but, but acknowledging when we're like, what in is our fear of abandonment causing us to show up differently? Like, is your friend, her or anyone else that's asking this question, which is a really common one, how is that impacting how I'm showing up? And am I still willing to be open to new relationships? Am I still willing, whether that's also friendships, who am I willing to practice that vulnerability or am I completely shut off? Because sometimes, um our own fear, like we talked about in the beginning, like fear can be a huge driver of us showing up in a completely different way than we normally would. So how much is impacting that piece? I think it's important to look at in the beginning too. Mm -hmm. Right.
3: And being careful that that fear is not becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy that I'm because of that fear. I'm so closed off that my partner behaves in a way they otherwise might not have. It's very difficult when Something that you are afraid of, or this worst-case scenario actually happens to you, because it because it kind of breaks this belief that it will not happen to you. My seven-year-old niece recently had a burglar break into their house, and she's she was the one in the middle of the night watched him crawl up the stairs, and you know you can tell kids that that won't happen to give them a sense of security. But when you're the kid who's watched that happen in your house, it takes a real processing to feel safe again, right? So she got involved in, okay, what do we do to the house to make it feel safe again? And it's a perfect analogy for somebody who's been cheated on or somebody who's been abandoned to, what do I do with my heart to make myself safe again? And Completely closing off my heart is not the answer because I'm always going to be longing for love. But being in charge of your own safety in the relationship is kind of similar in that regard.
1: What are your thoughts being therapists on meditation, visualization, and perhaps journaling when it comes to navigating heartbreak or even getting into a new relationship?
3: Yes, to all of that. Mm-hmm. I think any chance to explore your thoughts. We are so bombarded with TV and podcasts and radio and social media, and just people love to talk all the time that we are never in silence. We are go 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 go. So when we stop, when we're in the car without any music or any dialogue happening, are to even have that time to explore our thoughts when we're meditating and we just are open to seeing what comes up or journaling. I even ask people to journal with their non-dominant hand. So to see if something might surprise them in that way, um, I think is really helpful to bring us into the present, bring us into the moment and really grow that relationship with ourselves so that we can have healthier ones with, the ones we love,
2: mm-hmm. and you know the, all the manifestation coaches and you know the Gabby Bernstein's <laughs> of the world will say there's such importance, and this can be true. Going back to this question that your friend's asking, uh, really sitting and visualizing and imagining, how do I imagine I'll feel when I'm safe in a relationship? How do I imagine I would feel when I'm in love again? And not just what do I like, not just thinking about it. Feel like can I can I actually get in touch with What happens in my body when I'm safe, when I fully trust someone, when I'm relaxed, and setting it and forgetting it? So, meaning we don't have to think about it all day, but going into that feeling, even for five or 10 minutes a day, and then moving forward with our day and going to work and doing the things we need to do. But this visualizing actually can be an actual picture, but also trying to get in touch with the physiological feeling of what will it be like when I'm happy again, that there's so much power in that. um, And that's a practice. I've done a lot in my own life, but that I recommend to clients too. Um, That can be really powerful. Um, And then we can also connect to that when we actually do find that again in whatever arena that is, whether romantic relationships work. But yeah, that can be a good one as well. Amazing.
1: And one of the most popular questions that actually came in from our audience was, what would you both say to somebody who feels that it's always them? that they're always the one being abandoned, rejected, turned down, broken up with? This was one of our most popular questions that came in.
3: I think because it's such a big and like overwhelming emotion to be broken up with or abandoned, there are so many feelings that go into that, right? There's a bit of shame or embarrassment, Mm -hmm. heartbreak, anxiety, depression loss that it's so big that it really does feel like am I the only one experiencing this it's a it's a little bit isolating um it's very hard for me to believe that one person is the only one ever being experiencing something like this no matter how long someone has been in a relationship or how happy they seem almost everyone has experienced this before and so letting yourself get that support if you find yourself being the only one in your friend group who is not in a stable relationship ever or is experiencing heartbreak after heartbreak I think that that's a really important part to start talking about with a therapist or somebody who specializes in exploring relationships to see what is that trigger? Is that actually true? Or what, what, what is happening for you that you're experiencing this?
2: I also, so it's so, if I'll hear clients say, right, I'm the one that I it's always me on the receiving end or and, and so I think it's important to ask, like, is there something I'm missing? Because oh, I'll also hear clients say a lot, like, I, there's so many red flags that I'm not seeing. And I often find that's not true, that actually, if we go back and look at some of the relationships. Can I extract any patterns? Is there a certain person I'm going for? Is there a certain thing I keep doing in a relationship? And sometimes that question can be more fruitful and lead us to a different awareness so that we can then do things differently. Maybe we are showing up the same way. Maybe we are picking the same partner over and over. Maybe we are engaging in the same patterns. And so instead of like, what am I doing wrong? Like, is are there any patterns that I can notice that then I can work to shift out of. Because often I find we are aware of red flags, but we want to ignore them, or we Mm -hmm. are so um, set on a relationship working that we're willing to sacrifice certain things that are important. So it's not even that it's like, we're always the one being broken up with. We're always the one that's like doing something wrong, or there's something wrong with us. But often there's a lot we're willing to ignore or not look at when we want a relationship to work. And But so much of this requires a grace and compassion with ourselves. I always say to clients, can I get curious about my relationships instead of critical? And that will lead to like the information we need to then do things differently. Because maybe we are always the one getting broken up with. And instead of like what's wrong with me questioning, like what keeps, who do I keep picking or how do I keep showing up that, that maybe this has been my experience over and over. And that just leads to more insight and more growth.
1: What wonderful advice. I also end the podcast with two questions. The first being, what is your favorite quote or the mantra you live by?
2: My all-time favorite is, um, comparison is the thief of joy. You know, I think, and also with breakups especially, it's so easy to be single again or, you know, after post-breakup, look at everyone else's relationship. Mm -hmm. And especially with social media, like we are talking about today, it's just, we do not know, comparing ourselves to other people's experience, like only robs us of like our own unique experience. And so I think in all aspects, that's something I'm always trying to keep in mind and always keep in mind if I'm scrolling social media too.
3: Yeah. There, there are two things that I find myself coming back to. One is this is hard and I can do hard things to remind myself of my own strength and power, even if, I don't feel like I have enough for the moment. Somehow I always do. And the other one is you're exactly where you need to be right now. Because I know that there's so much struggle with wanting to achieve more or be further ahead in certain aspects. But sometimes it's okay to acknowledge where I am right now is okay. And not only is it okay, it's perfect for right now for me. Beautiful.
1: and what podcasts or books on this subject would you recommend to our audience of course other than your own <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yes of uh, course our go ahead. of course our own break up and break out um I also love Amy Chan she has a great um Instagram page she does break up boot camps live and virtual boot camps if you're trying to get over a breakup and move on um she does great work and has a book called um Breakup Bootcamp um, love her page, her book. Uh, we also always recommend Attached and the Self-Compassion by Dr. Kristen Neff books that can help us deep, more deeply understand ourselves, which again, is a lot of the work of healing from a breakup, understanding our own patterns and relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I always recommend those two as well.
3: I always recommend um, Anything by Brene Brown and Esther Perel they both have books and podcasts and they are truly experts in the idea of vulnerability and just the very complex dynamics of relationships you know understanding breakups understanding being cheated on and learning to trust again there's a wealth of information in their books Mm -hmm. amazing
1: well thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today it was wonderful to have you
2: Thank you yes,
1: so much. Lovely. Thank, you. Thank you for listening to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast. I am your host, Scarlett V. Clark, award-winning founder and CEO of Smart Girl Tribe, the UK's number one female empowerment organization, host of this top-rated podcast, the Smart Girl Tribe podcast, and author. You are my community, my family, so come and follow along for more female empowerment and personal development in our private Facebook group, the Smart Girl Tribe Society, or on Twitter or Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe.